Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times podcast covering and Facebook live show, excuse me, covering everything surrounding high school sports here on Cape Cod. I'm Matt Goisman. And I'm Steve Dedarian. Thanks for joining us for episode three. It's how, you know, we were just saying the other day, I can't believe the show's kind of already off and running, and we just thought this is episode two. No, we're already on episode three. Pretty much, you know. So we're really uh, getting into the nitty-gritty here, and uh, we're, like, breaking this stuff down every week. Absolutely. So we have had one full week of games. Pretty much every sport got underway last week, except for golf, which started two weeks ago. The big story, obviously, we had the start of high school football on Friday and Saturday for Cape teams. I think a few teams played last Thursday night, but uh, for us, it was all coverage Friday and Saturday, and we definitely learned a lot about kind of the the state of high school football on Cape Cod, I think, from this first week. Well, I mean, learned a lot. I mean, yeah, it's, it's somebody mentioned on the radio today after week one of football is always overreaction mm-hmm. Tuesday, and then it's kind sure. of that way, you know, yeah, we can only judge so much from one game, but definitely a lot of surprises, a lot of things that you know, we talked about on the show last week, maybe we didn't expect and we saw it come true. And maybe that's a sign that, hey, for a lot of these teams, this is a new era. Yep. And and in a way, that's it's kind of the case, not just in football, really for a lot of sports we'll talk about later. A lot of teams really turning over a new chapter this year, new mm-hmm. athletes starting to make names for themselves. And I guess similarly, new coaches kind of make a sure. name for themselves. You know, new athletes inheriting legacies of programs that I maybe some didn't, but many had lots of success. Kids coming onto teams that won state championships or, mm-hmm. or went to the state tournament last year and they have to step into their new roles. Uh, you know, with football, you're right. We can't draw too many conclusions, but we can certainly look at maybe what did or did not work in week one. I, most of the games, I think, went the way we both expected. I know we were split on the Mashpee-Nantucket game, and that was obviously maybe one of the biggest games either team will face this whole this whole season. I mean, Mashpee can... If they can beat Abington, which is their only real competition, I think, in the uh, South Shore League Tobin division, they can feed off those two wins and basically turn that into the number one seed, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think for Mashby, I don't think anything could have gone any greater. Maybe save for that touchdown score in the last two minutes, and you get the shout-out. But quite frankly, that's pretty inconsequential. You consider how strong that defense was. I think that's what I was most impressed by. Didn't mm-hmm. give up a first down in the first half. You know, I pretty much had... You know, and there was one factor, uh, Devontae Usher, one of the star backs right. in Nantucket, wasn't playing. But still, when you look at the defense not being able to allow first down, that in turn gave the offense great field position, took a lot of pressure off a new quarterback on the road in his first game, Ian Miller, who did a great job facilitating yep. the ball. And, you know, we talked so much about Xavier Gonzalez being a great pass rusher. He did have four tackles for losses, but he got two touchdown passes mm-hmm. and really kind of led that offensive charge there. Devon Ford ran for a touchdown, and Miller had a QB sneak and. You know, by halftime, I think pretty much everyone knew this game was over. I mean, yeah. just a sheer dominating effort. And then on top of that, Mashby now has 21 straight wins. They're the, win- or the longest winning streak in the state right now. Because mm-hmm. King Philip lost. You know, and I think with Mashby, one thing it definitely speaks to is their ability to develop new linemen quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talked to Matt Traveri on day one in the preseason, he said we need a new offensive line. And defensive line also took a lot of losses from last year's senior class. But... 
they were solid. You know, they, they got the offensive line through the preseason going enough to be able to run the offense the way they wanted to mm-hmm. against what we suspect is a good defense in Nantucket. And they were, they pretty much controlled this game start to finish. Uh, and I think that was definitely something that came out is how quickly uh, the Falcons and Chris Rendig's the line coach over there can create new lines and get them to gel together. Yeah, and I mean, maybe Nantucket's not as solid as we thought. They're at least out of the gate. I mean, right. you know, I'm sure Usher will get better. Burton, who I heard, was a little banged up as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I think for Mashby, you know, this is the exact start you want. They're going to go way out west uh, this week yeah, to go South play Hadley. South Hadley, a team they played last year, I believe, right? So it's they kind did. of an exchange, you know, on the home and home. That's exactly what it is. And Mashpee rolled them last year. It was a 43-8-8 to game. It was one of those games where the starters were done by halftime. South Hadley was shut out this past week. 23-0, so this yeah. This is a game that, you know, aside from the from the trip, I mean, should be another victory. Mashpee should go to 2-0, and I think. Yeah, I the biggest challenge for the Falcons, I really think, is just going to be mentally as in this game as, you know, they were fired up for, I remember going to scrimmages during the preseason with Mashpee, and they were already talking about Nantucket. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nantucket was a game their players really wanted and were looking forward to and were really focused on. South Hadley, they wouldn't see South Hadley again. I honestly can't remember what division South Hadley plays in, but it's unlikely they will see South Hadley even if were they to make the state tournament. Right. So they've got to just make sure they don't have a mental letdown and give up a game they should very much be able to win. Right, and, and the thing about this is, too, I mean, for Mashby, you know, Trevery said he's got about 34 guys. Mm-hmm. I think if there's only one Achilles heel with this team is just their depth and being Absolutely. able to stay healthy. And we know from past years that's not always a given. You know, it's just one week. One of those key pieces goes down their season could go down too. So again, 34 guys, that's very thin, you know, for a varsity program, but you know, the eyes, the eyes of the state are on them right now. I mean, and I credit South Hadley for scheduling them. Western mass is still mm-hmm. yet to win a super bowl in the statewide system, which is in, I believe it's six year came in in uh, 2013. 13, yeah. So, I mean, you got, if you're Western mass, you've got to schedule the team that have been there that had success and maybe in turn that'll, that'll turn things around for Western mass. Sure. You know, I, on Nantucket's side, they've got Cohasset on Saturday at 2. Mm-hmm. Cohasset beat Rockland 42-21 in uh, week one. Gray Thomas was uh, the big guy for the um, for Cohasset. He ran for 175 yards and two scores. Uh, you know, Nantucket, this may be a better showing of what they really are going to be this year. We hope, you know, Usher and Burton are back or at least healthier, mm-hmm. and maybe we can see a little bit of a better showing uh, from them, see what they can really bring to the team this year. Uh, and so maybe Nantucket, they weren't at their best. They weren't a hundred percent for Mashby and hopefully they can get mm-hmm. a little closer to it uh, for Cohasset who did not make the playoffs last year, but have been a competitive team without a doubt in the South shore league. So not one that's an easy win at all. I mean, it's hard to say it's a must win in week two, but as we were just talking about a few minutes ago, it's really only six or seven game season for these teams. So to start off at 0-2, you're really putting yourself in a precarious position to, to get back to the postseason. So this is an important one for the Whalers and under you know new coach Joe Perry. Mm-hmm. I know I think the team wants to, you know as Patriots did 2001, take the football from us uh, Friday's game, take a shovel, bury it, and say we're done with this game, we're moving on. Absolutely. And with Nantucket, you know, I, when I did my, pre, my previews like for all the teams, I didn't think this was Mashpee's biggest game of the year because I think the Abington game is actually more important because mm-hmm. – I really think they're going to be a big challenge. I think Nantucket should be able to win the the Mayflower Athletic Conference division they're in. 
So even if they give this up, they still got a very good chance to finish the uh, the regular season five and two, and that will mm-hmm. be more than enough to get into the playoffs. Right. Um, I want to talk real quickly about you know Falmouth. You know this was a mm-hmm. very challenging uh, game going on the road to Bishop Fian. Yeah, Falmouth I believe won the game last year. They did. Fairly, you know, it wasn't a blowout, but you know they they were pretty much in control. But mm-hmm. going on the road with kind of a new you know team right there, your quarterback goes down, and you still rally in the second half to win for you know a twenty-two sixteen victory over Bishop Fian. Great job by Jake Murphy. Ran for a pair of touchdowns and two point conversion. Cam Roll stepped mm-hmm. in. Kyle Connolly, I think he's still not 100%, unfortunately, yeah. for Falmouth. Um, but, you know, Clippers scored three unanswered touchdowns in the second half and really cemented themselves as a yeah, mentally, I think, tough team to, you know, to, to battle in a situation like that. I think so. And I, I'm also not sure about sort of what the state of the ACL is. Obviously, Marshfield is always a threat. But I thought D.Y. to transition over to the D.Y. Barnstable game and who they're playing in week two – you know, I thought D.Y. showed some vulnerabilities in its first week. Now, they could absolutely improve on all of them, and I'm sure they will across the season. But if Marshfield is a little shaky too, Falmouth has as good a chance as anyone of winning the ACL in what seems like it's probably going to be the last year the ACL actually exists. I think after this year, most of the Cape ACL schools are going to join a bigger tier of the Cape and Islands League, mm-hmm. and then Marshfield has got to go elsewhere. That's been talked about for a long time, and I think this is the last like holdover year where Marshfield can basically force the ACL to stay in existence. Mm-hmm. You know, that Barnstable DY game, which Barnstable won 20 to 13. That was the first time since I think 2012, the Raider Red Raiders had beaten the Dolphins. You know, the loss, the lessons we learned for DY will get to Barnstable in a minute. Jeffrey Jamiel, I think is going to be really good this year. He was very, he was a key receiver for them last year and he had 10 receptions for 108 yards against Barnstable. A lot of times he had to just make himself get open in downfield. Uh, so I really liked uh, what I saw out of him. I'm not sure Peyton Doyle can find him as efficiently as Jacob McCarthy did last year. But Doyle, I'm sure, will also Im- continue to improve as he embraces the starting quarterback position that he didn't have for a lot of last year. You know, he got spot starts and st- spot appearances. Yeah, I think the big difference with the DOI offense, and I kind of just thought of this, you know, without a running back like Bobby Evans yeah. last year not being able to break open those big plays, it kind of shows where DOI's vulnerability is. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Doyle can run, I guess, somewhat decently because he used to be a back himself, mm-hmm. I think, um, at quarterback. But you really your big plays are coming down to your receivers, and when teams pick up on that, yeah. they're going to send blitzes. They're not going to give you time for those plays to develop. Or they're just going to double team your best receiver and make you beat you with somebody else. So it's it's kind of a tough situation for DY when you don't have playmakers in both really phases of the game. Absolutely. I think it's definitely more shifted towards the passing game for DY, and we'll see how they adjust to that. And maybe teams overcompensate. Right. And Paul Funk's good coach. He's been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like he'll figure out a way to to put his guys in the right position to make plays. You know. So, D.Y., they started Darian Thompson at running back on Friday. Thompson was a wide receiver and defensive back last year, and his first game at running back didn't didn't go that well. He only ran for 17 total yards, and he was tackled behind the line four times. You know, D.Y. in the past has had success with moving receivers to running back just because it gets them more touches. They did that with Andrew Jamiel, who's now playing very well over at Stonehill College. Um, He... Jamil was a 2015 senior on that team. So if Thompson can transition and kind of be that next converted receiver, 
he's definitely fast enough to make plays, and I did see a few cases of that against Barnstable. Um, but you're right. All of the recent Cape teams that have won state championships had a very strong pair of quarterback and receiver. With Mashby, it was Nick Carpenter and, that, and Deshaun Diaz, and then Devon Ford. Jacob Johnston just took over for Carpenter uh, last year. With Falmouth two years ago, it was Nick Kuig and Mike LaFrange. And then last year it was Jacob McCarthy and, as you said, Bobby Evans. I like Doyle as a quarterback. I think he's got talent, and Thompson is quick. But that pair is not quite where it needs to be to really, you know, to match what, say, McCarthy and Evans were last year. And maybe we're not being a little fair here because another key factor is the whole offensive line is obviously different for the DY. Absolutely. The whole offensive line is different for DY as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing they were exposed, that was actually probably the biggest thing they were exposed with last Friday because when you looked at Barnstable's front seven, I mean, they were, you were at the game, they were, they were in. Peyton Doyle's face every time he was dropping worked, back to yeah. pass. Guys like Harrison Lehman, Matt Fredo, Cor- uh, Cody Wardwell, Craig Coombs, Thomas Sauer, Matt Turner, Osmond Ruggis, all of those yeah. guys making plays on defense. Osmond was huge. I mean, right. he was really disruptive <laughs> out of that defensive front. You know, and I think that speaks to Barnstable as, as a team seems to have really bought into Coach Chicola's style. You know, Matt Peter Kuski had a great game at quarterback. He threw for you know, over 200 yards, and I, I think all three touchdowns were off TD passes. You know, when I went to Jacola's introduction last spring, Matt was a kid that he singled out by name as somebody uh, he had been communicating with long before actually arriving in Barnstable. To, and if you can get the quarterback to buy in, you can get the whole team to buy in. And I think this team does really seem to be enjoying playing for Jacola, and they're definitely playing hard for him. Yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely love the trick play going out and scoring on the first play, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Ross maybe saw it in his dreams, but when he saw it come true to life, I can only imagine that was just pure excitement. I'm sure he – I mean, I wasn't at the game. I don't know if he was jumping around or if he had the Belichick approach where yep. kind of got the arms crossed. I'm sure he was fired up after that. And mm-hmm. Talk about setting the tone, I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and one thing Barnstable had that D.Y. didn't have was a running back they could rely on. Brian Fry, 19 carries, 70 yard, right. 75 yards. A pretty good game and definitely gave a second look that D.Y. just didn't. I think D.Y. finished with only about 59 total rushing yards. So, you know, we don't want to overvalue one win for Barnstable, but it was definitely a good way to start off the season for them. Totally. They are at Braintree on Saturday. Braintree beat Quincy uh, 28-13 to in the first uh, week. The guy to watch out for there is senior Billy Sylvia, uh, who ran for three touchdowns. He snagged an interception. He's also a pretty good place kicker. Mm. Uh, D.Y., meanwhile, and we'll talk uh, a little bit more in depth about that game, they host Auburn uh, Friday at 7 in the Top Cop game Mm -hmm. in honor of Yarmouth police officer Sean Gannon, who was killed uh, while on duty earlier this year. Yeah, I mean, this was something two years ago that came up in Auburn when – Officer Ron Tarantino was also slain up while on duty, and you know it, it makes sense that these two communities would come together, absolutely, and, and put together something like this. Now, all the proceeds from the games are going to the Sean Gannon Foundation, right. I believe. Um, I'm sure they were. I mean, when Auburn held a game two years ago, there was their season opener at Leicester. There were about five thousand people who showed up for a high school football game, which mm-hmm. in Massachusetts is very unprecedented. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even in the Super Bowl, I don't even know if we had five thousand people, you know, show up for a game like that. So. Just to see that support, you know, from the community, and, and that's what Paul Funk has said. You know, the team is an extension of the community. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of, you know, shows the best of of both to come together and and, and really do something good and and provide 
you know, money for a community that's still in some ways grieving and it's kind of coming out of that now. Absolutely. Um, but it's certainly Yarmouth is a community. I mean, they've lost, you know, some good men in the past too with um, Captain Nicholas Exaros. Yeah, who was and, a former and, DY player. And, right. Um, so, it, again, you know, you talk about being able to raise money. And, and, you know, I grew up in Central Mass too. So in, in kind of a, you know, non sequitur going to the football side, I think it's cool to see Central Mass teams come down here, Eastern Mass. Mm-hmm. You're seeing more of that statewide connection now from, from a pure football standpoint. I, it's kind of cool to see. I played Auburn, I think, three or four times when I was in high school. So that's a good program led by Jeff Cormier. He's been doing a mm-hmm. great job over there. They run pretty much a pro – since I was there, pretty much run a pro-style offense. You know, they'll don't be afraid to just keep running it down your throat until you stop yeah. it. So, um, And we saw to, that in week one. Auburn beat St. Peter Marion 20-8, to and their big guy was Manny Rosario, who rushed for 147 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they also got a couple of late scores from uh, Jack LaPearl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, you know, 1-0 and Auburn versus 0-1 D.Y. I would like to think the emotions and the weight of the of it will inspire D.Y. I think we will get a very spirited performance from them. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, D.Y. can take this one, but Auburn is not going to be easy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll run down the other game, uh, week one, fo- week two football games. We don't have to talk about them all at length. St. John Paul II is at Martha's Vineyard Friday at 6. Monomoy is at Nosset at 6. Wareham is at Bourne at 7. And then the other Saturday games, we have Southeastern at Upper Cape at noon. Tri-County at Cape Tech at 1. And as I mentioned, I think Cohasset and Nantucket at 2. And then obviously Barnstable and Braintree at 11. Any of those games jump out at you as, as ones to pay attention to? I'm really interested in St. John Paul at Martha's Vineyard. You mm-hmm. know, it's two small schools. Obviously, the Vineyard, they rolled last week and was basically a kind of a glorified scrimmage for Pretty them, much. you know, yeah. with Atlanta starter. But it's got their confidence up, and I think that's exactly what's needed. I think St. John Paul had a pretty good showing at Sandwich. They took an early lead, um, kind of had to rally late there, you know, with a Darren Katz of long run yep. for a touchdown. But, you know, that's going to be a test for, for St. John Paul heading to the island, and Vineyard team's going to be fired up. Mm-hmm. Numbers have really rebounded well, and I think that's showing. And it's going to come down to being able to really stop, I think, Ivan Shepard, quarterback of the Definitely. Vineyard. Um, and I think we'll see a close game in that one. And Shepard is more used to that position than my, uh, St. John Paul quarterback Mike Sakovich is. Mm-hmm. Sakovich, this is his first year as the starting QB, and he threw two touchdown passes. He found Will Good and Connor Sargent against uh, Sandwich. Uh, but Shepard has been their starting quarterback at the Vineyard for a while now, and he had two TD runs and uh, a pass to Antoine Morris. Uh, you also have to worry about John McCormick, I think, with uh, Martha's Vineyard. Three touchdown runs and ran for over 100 yards. So mm-hmm. not – and, I, you know, St. John Paul's kind of – they've had more success, and I, I do wonder if that won't translate to a win – this is definitely a much bigger test for the Vineyarders than Atlantis Charter was. Absolutely. I'm also interested where I am at Bourne. You know, this in the past has been a Thanksgiving blowout. Where I am mm-hmm. won the last seven matchups. But I got a chance to watch Bourne play Upper Cape on Saturday, and, yep. and I was impressed with a lot of things, you know, with that spread offense with quarterback James Cahoon. He did a pretty decent job running the offense. It wasn't perfect. You know, no teams are going to be perfect in week one, I think. But when they were moving the ball best is when they were going no huddle and throwing quick yep. screens. Because when they get Spencer those athletes, get him involved. When they get those guys out in the open field, it's very hard for a lot of these teams to stop them. Mm-hmm. And I think they went away from that in the second half. And I wasn't sure if they did that on purpose, maybe not to show their hand too much, 
because it's a long season and you don't want to you know show all your plays in week one Especially against a team that they handled fairly easily on Saturday. And against a team that's not in your conference when you're about to right. start South Coast Conference play with Wareham. Which is down. Wareham is down a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, they, they got lost, blown out in week one to Old Rochester, I believe. Yeah, they lost 42 to nothing. You know, last year, one of the reasons Wareham would blow teams out is because they had Isaac Nascimento. Right. Who, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, he... <laughs> Straight up, he's the best running back Wareham has ever had. I mean, right. he graduated as the career leader, I think, in touchdowns, total points, and rushing yards. And without him and, you know, the rest of the seniors from last year, at least from the first game, it seems like they are more vulnerable. So, you know, maybe Bourne can take this one and feed on that and get be a little bit more competitive in the South Coast Conference schedule, although clearly Old Rochester is – will be looming. So Right. And then the other matchup I want to just discuss real quickly, Monoway and Nasa. Mm-hmm. You know, Nasa really coming off one of the toughest ways to lose. Yeah. You know, you go from great ecstasy of scoring on the last play, Bobby Joy to Tate, uh Sidewan, I always mess Sidewan, up. Yeah. Sidewan, yeah. I always mess up his last name. Sorry, Tate. Um, <laughs> they score in the last play of the game and then Nasa's kicker misses the extra point. You know, mm-hmm. and I talked to Coach Bruce Strunk after the game, excuse me, Bruce Strunk after the game. He said, you know, he wanted to force overtime. He thought his team had the momentum where they, they'd be able to get in and score. But, you know, I still can't help but think that maybe you just go for two in that situation. You put Mac Labarge, who had 21 carries for mm-hmm. 140 yards. You just run your best ISO play or whatever your best goal line play is and kind of just go with, the, you know, what happens. But, you know, he, he said he trusted his kicker in that situation. He didn't want to take him off the field. So I, I, he stuck by his decision. I just, you know, that's what we do here sometimes, a yeah. second guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, which I would assume whichever – unit he had more faith in to be able to execute the play was the right. one he went with. And if he thought his kicker was more likely to kick it, then the two-point team was likely right. to punch it in. Then you go for the tie and you go for overtime. Right. But I think, Nasta, this is a winnable game for them. You know, hosting Monmoy, smaller school. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think Nasta should be able to take care of business here. You know, Monmoy was impressive over Cape Tech this past week, but It'll be a much bigger school, obviously, going up and playing, you know, a school like Nossett. Absolutely. So. You know, with Monomoy, what's interesting is so they got two touchdown passes and 162 passing yards from Mark Paulina. Mm-hmm. Paulina was DY's backup right. quarterback last year, so he's changed schools uh, and clearly is having, you know, an immediate impact at Monomoy, which plays in a lower division and plays in a different conference. So we'll see if he can keep that success going. You know, he also ran for a score. Isaac Hart ran for a score. Hart was there big playmaker last year, uh, and Elijah Beasley, who we both thought was a player to watch, four receptions for 94 yards and a, a big game on defense as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I mean, Monomoy's got playmakers, and, and if they can spread them around enough, hey, I think they can stay in this game, but if you're Nasa, you got to win this game. <laughs> it's pretty much any more simpler than that. You really got to win this game, or it's not going to be looking good going into ACL play. All right, I think we've talked uh, high school football to death at this point. Right. Let's uh, switch over. So for you, what are a couple of the really big games coming up uh, for non-football uh, in this week? So I want to start with soccer. You know, it seems like we're a bit of a broken record on Nasset Boys Soccer, but I was really impressed how they opened the season. They went, hosted Somerville. They were down mm-hmm. early, but rallied to win 4-2 over Somerville. Very solid Division One program. Yeah. Followed that up with a 2-0 win over Situate. And, you know, we mentioned that New Era, some guys who are making kind of a name for themselves, guys who... Yes, played well last year. Maybe mm-hmm. we're a little bit in the shadow of, you know, James McCauley, obviously great, Van, you know, straight. Vance Bates and you right, know, right. senior class. But, you know, Sebastian Hedrick and Cormac Parker, both very solid in mm-hmm. the opener. You know, Shavar Champagne had two assists, or both assists, I should say, in the situate game. And Avery Santoro was also solid in that game. And Nasset actually tonight's going to host New, or excuse me, they're going to visit New Bedford. 
6 p.m. game. New Bedford was the last team to beat Nossett in the regular season. Mm -hmm. These two teams played a Nossett clash preseason scrimmage with New Bedford sneaking out a two-on win. Again, the result kind of doesn't matter too much in the scrimmages. They're shorter games. But this is definitely a real challenge for Nossett, and I still like how they haven't taken their um, foot off the pedal this year, even though we expected them maybe to take a little bit of a step back. They're going full throttle with the schedule, and I so far they're handling it about as well as anybody. I mean, Somerville, we talked about last week, that was a team that didn't lose in the regular season last year. Yeah. They had two ties, and then they lost in the tournament. So, Somerville is actually the first program I ever covered as a – I was in journalism school, but mm-hmm. I, I thought of them as my first beat that was ever right. assigned to me. So I, I remember seeing them back even – 10 years ago and I went to Brookline high and Somerville was in the Bay state league. So we would mm-hmm. see them in that too. And they've been a very strong program for over a decade at this right. point. So, yeah, I mean, I really think there's no reason to think that Nossett still isn't the top dog in the ACL because once they enter conference play, I, I think they should be able to take care of business. Yeah. I think they'll handle the ACL pretty well. I, Oliver Ames is always, I think, the school that, that may be in the South in that division. Duxbury, too. Duxbury yeah. actually was solid in that class tournament. And I think actually beat Nossett in one of the scrimmages. So, you know, that they're kind of waiting in the wings there. I, I can't say off the top of my head if they played during the regular season. I wouldn't be surprised if they had one matchup, but I'd, mm-hmm. I'd have to look that up. I'm not sure. Either way, they could be waiting in the wings for Division Two South at some point. Absolutely. So. You know, Nossett is a team like the Barnstable girls volleyball team where the the non-conference schedule, John McCauley tries to make that as challenging as possible and as revealing as possible of kind of what they might find in the playoffs. Absolutely. Another team I was really impressed with, I'll hit on real quickly, is the Mashby boys. I got to see a little mm-hmm. bit of their game yesterday at DY. It's 3-0 start for them, 12 goals in those three games. Um, they had shutouts over Abington and Hull to start the season. They beat DY 3-1. Uh, yesterday, or Monday, I should say, depending on when you're watching the show, <laughs> yesterday. Anyway, uh, uh, Gabe, Tell- Gabe Tell has been very solid this year, mm-hmm. sophomore. Really going to be the future of that program, I think. But for the time being, senior captains, Jack Daynall and uh, Dylan Hutchinrider, both been really solid. They had good games yesterday, both scored. You know, I think the Falcons are really bound for a long run this year. They got bounced in the tournament last year in the mm-hmm. first round by Sturgis East, which kind of surprised everybody. So I think they have that in the back of their mind that, hey, we got some unfinished business, and I think they can really run it in the South Shore League just based on those first two games, Definitely. beating Abbey's in the hole very convincingly. They also have uh, – it's Chris Hutchinrider in goal, correct? I believe so, yeah. yeah he was a junior so, last year. And yeah, had, he set I think a, he had the shutout for single season. Yeah, he yeah. set the single season shutout record, and he's clearly been very strong again this year. You know, right. When you have that lockdown goalie like him, like Avalar at Nosset, you know, or anything you can kind of build yourself forward. Field hockey works the same way. A lot of the times DY has had deep runs. It's because they've had a really good goalie. Um, and Sandwich is also, uh, you could say that, of some of their teams that have yeah. gone really deep. I mean, very poised team, too. I mean, they gave up the first goal 36 minutes into the game to go down one nothing, and then two minutes later they're already back on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team doesn't get phased by much, and I think that's sure. going to be big when some of these games get into the, you know, into the crunch time. Uh, girls' soccer side, really impressed with sophomore uh, Ariana Sylvia from Falmouth. Uh, had four goals in the season opener against Bourne, 7-3. Yeah, you don't play in a smaller school, but mm-hmm. you score four goals in a game in one half, actually. They were all You're in the second half. no matter what. Right, that definitely caught our attention. And, you know, she added two more against Pembroke in a loss, in a 3-2 loss Monday. So, clearly, like, she's going to be somebody who's going to run the table for them and, and in future years, too. And kind of seeing that emerging young talent, it's always exciting to see 
you know, where their potential might end up. So mm -hmm. that's definitely a team we're going to watch. You know, they played a very difficult non-conference schedule this week. They're at Dartmouth on Thursday, uh -huh. and then they're hosting Durfee, which is Fall River, on Saturday. So another team that's not taking it easy, you know, in the beginning before they get into league play. And I think today um, you're going to be at the Sandwich Girls versus Barstable yep. game. Mm -hmm. That's actually the first of two matchups within three days against the two teams. But obviously today's game means a little bit more being September 11th. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, the Sandwich athletic field, the football field, the turf field, is the Gerald DeCanto Stadium. And it's named after Gerald DeCanto, who was a Marine who was killed yeah, the attack on the Pentagon on September 11th in 2001. Gerald's brother, I believe, Dave, is the head coach for the Sandwich Girls team. So this game, yeah, this this is going to be an emotional game for them. And, and I think they have some pre-game pre tribute stuff planned as well that, that I should be at. Yeah, definitely. You know, we talk about this week. It's really some of these games are obviously go beyond what the final yeah. score are. And, you know, it's... In a way, I was trying to think of the words to say last night. In a way, it's unfortunate that games like this have to become more common. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I guess it's better than just, you know, going on life as usual. You have communities coming together sure. and try to turn something that's so terrible that happened, you know, into something positive and show that resolve, I think. That was the kind of word I was looking for. Showing resolve, I think, definitely yeah. matters a lot. And it's certainly always uplifting also to see people use memories of lost loved ones mm -hmm. for something positive. You know, right. a couple of years ago, I remember I was talking to uh, the girls' soccer coach at the time um, at one of the Sturgis schools, I can't remember, who had lost his brother, and he even had tattoos on his wrists to remind him of that loss. But what it inspired him to do was want to become a coach mm -hmm. and work with kids and, and help them. Uh, and, you know, that's as good a, a use for those set for that sadness and that memory as you could possibly ask right so that game is we're trying to figure this out i believe get there get early get there get there at 3 yeah. 30 and you won't be late yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so if we're moving on to volleyball real quickly obviously we're going to pretty much talk about barnesball every week but i want to talk a little bit about born because yeah born and barnes very teams. impressive um i believe last night according to west sykes over it um Enterprise, 18th straight conference win. I know Barnesville's probably won a bazillion straight conference games, but, you know, you look at a small score like Bourne, what they've been able to turn their volleyball program into is mm -hmm. very impressive, and especially with what they lost last year. You know, last night, beating Seacock fairly handily, you had, you know, 20 digs from Maddie Stuck, who's filling a role left by Leah Heidenfelter, who's Absolutely. the school's digs leader, had yeah. two, over 2,000 digs in her varsity career. So seeing players like that step in is encouraging. Kaylee O'Connor, 10, 10 aces last night. And uh, Emma Fenton, obviously great on the attack, 11 kills. So I think that trio plus, you know, some of the other... Cammie Mackinac. Cammie Mackinac's building before. great. You know, it can really get this team back, I think, to make another run to the state tournament. I remember I uh, was talking to Coach Andy Mather over the phone after their first game, and he's really high up on uh, Maddie. He he thinks she can maybe be in a thousand dig person or or... You know, he thinks he's found the next starting libero, right. and the next really good starting libero for his team. So. Right. It's kind of tough for, for Bourne. Now, they have the opposite problem. They have play in a much larger conference, mm -hmm. meaning there's more conference. they got to play everybody twice. So they can't seek out, like, 
they can't well, schedule Frontier, really. At least not up front. At the end of the year, they finished their three games are against Duxbury, New Bedford, and Medfield. That's how they finish out the okay. regular season. And so, Medfield is a really good girls yeah. volleyball program. And unfortunately, we have to wait that long for Pretty them to much. play. But it is a tune-up before the tournament. Mm-hmm. And if everything goes as we think it's going to go, the conference will be well wrapped up at that point. I would expect so. Or the conference will be wrapped up at that point because all the conference games will be done. <laughs> so... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bourne comes out with another crown there. But, you know, I would like to see those matchups earlier, but better late than never, I mm-hmm. guess. So um, home opener for Barnstable, though, uh, 5 p.m. Wednesday against Bridgewater Raynham, a conference game for them. Old Colony League game. Right, yeah. but, you know, there's a great atmosphere. Bourne brings a good atmosphere, too. Great atmosphere, I think, for Barnstable Volleyball, too. They bring out a nice crowd there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the stands are cheering. And, and it's kind of cool, like, it's in baseball because it's one of those sports where you don't have a clock. So, like, when Barnesville gets to that last point, you know, everyone's standing up like it's that last pick, mm-hmm. waiting for that last strikeout. I don't know. To, to me, I just think that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. It's not unique to Barnesville, but it's unique to volleyball, and, and I like how the, the fans kind of get into it that way. Definitely. I You know, the game builds tension across yeah. the game. And, and for me, what makes volleyball so fun is the, the way that momentum can swing and point swings can go back and forth so quickly. So uh, right. th- any sport where you get people standing on their feet for something about Absolutely. to happen, you know, is, is exciting. Uh, field hockey, real quickly, wanted to get to uh, sandwich. Great start for them, three and zero. You know, again, every week we're going to hammer how mm-hmm. young this team is. And just by reading off, uh, you know, who who some of the names are who scored. You know, sandwich won yesterday against uh, Bishop Stang. You had freshman Sarah Curry in goal, mm-hmm. right? You had <laughs> you had Macy White, who's also, I believe, uh, she's a sophomore now, actually, and freshman Haley Mac. Excuse me, McLaughlin, Lily Tobin both had points in Monday's win. Again, you know, when you're talking all underclassmen providing these contributions, it's very impressive to, to get out to the start they have. Sandwich has wins over Dartmouth, Silver Lake, Bishop Stang. So, again, we have to kind of wait till they get into conference play, mm-hmm. league play. But Where they're going to face teams like right. DY and Falmouth. So. But it's an encouraging sign so far to, to have that success. And, Definitely. And I think this is a team that, hey, like we said, with them – Marshfield and Falmouth, you never. Or excuse me, with them, Falmouth and Dy. Yes, that's really. I think what the conference is going to come down to. And there have been plenty of years where the team from the ACL that wins it does not wind up being the ACL right? team that goes the deepest in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We've had years where Sandwich has lost to Dy in the regular season and mm-hmm. then beaten them in right. the playoffs and gone further. And Falmouth and Dy are both one to zero. So I mean. Early season, they just had a scrimmage, the big scrimmages again this past Saturday. So, mm-hmm. but they both won their openers and you know get their seasons off on the right foot. Yeah, still waiting for those teams to to for these ACL matchups to happen because that's going to be there's going to be some very tight. And that's where the real playoff are, yeah. stuff is going to start to emerge because if you win your division, you automatically make the playoffs, mm-hmm. or if you win your your league. Right. Um, I don't know if you have anything else on volleyball or field hockey. I want to hit a couple notes on some other sports real quickly. Okay. Um, Cross country, you know, NASA girls, Abby Farrell joined the team last year. And, mm-hmm. you know, NASA was obviously going to take a little bit of a step back without Maddox Nobly running, sure. you know, sub 19 minute, you know, 5Ks. But, you know, she wasn't on the roster last year and she wins her first race <laughs> against Canton. Uh, just edges out uh, Maddox's sister, Izzy, Izzy who's yeah. also, you know, very talented runner. You know, this is going to be a great duo, I think, moving forward. Both of them are young. And, you know, again, not running those times right away, but I think they have a couple of years to build up to it. Definitely. And we'll see what happens there. But, you know, when you get a newcomer on a team like that, I think that's a sign of a strong program. You can have somebody come in and, hey, 
you know, compete with people who have been there. Mm -hmm. And the key to Nasset's success over the last couple of years has always been that they've had two, you know, really right. elite runners. Last year it was Matic and Nobly and Tara Ellard. Mm. Callie Shat has been in that role. Uh, Coralia uh, Geriandis, who's now running over at Elon, which is a D1 program, mm -hmm. you know, they were kind of a duo when uh, a couple of years ago, back in like, I think that was 2014, 2015. So if this is that new combo, that's kind of in keeping with how uh, Nasset has always run its uh, uh, cross-country teams. Right. And I know that I was talking with one of the assistant coaches at DY, and they are very high up on Izzy Nobly. They mm -hmm. think she has as much potential to dominate as Maddie does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. we'll see where she grows from here, but but there are high expectations of her as well. Absolutely. And what was I going to mention, too? I want to mention some golf real quickly, too. You're really looking out for the sandwich squad this year in, in mm -hmm. boys' golf. Um, girls play in the spring, so it's boys' golf season. Um, Alex Abramson shots a you know even par 36 yesterday at Brockton, but he's returning along with Cam Scheuer, Colin uh, Nogervicius, Mike Barrasso, Christina Timmy. They're all back in the lineup, and it's funny when the coach is calling us, he's like, "Hey, I've heard a lot of these names before." That's right, they're all back this year. <laughs> you know, it's a pretty experienced team, and Christina Timmy, obviously, great for her to come in and go play Absolutely. on the boys' side. She can hold her own, and it's just a great contribution. But, um, you know, really impressed with Abraham to shoot even par on a course like DW Field. That's a course that, you know, it's used by a lot of really good players. I know Matt Pargiali is on the PGA Tour. He's played it in the past. Mm -hmm. He plays Thorny Lee. That's his course. But, you know, playing in Brockton, you know, there's a couple of golf courses there. So um, really interested to see how Sandwich holds up this year. But that was something that definitely caught my attention. All right. And don't want to leave out you know, yeah, golf, no. cross country. They can feel like the redheaded stepchild exactly. sometimes. Exactly. Try to hit every sport that we can. Absolutely. So, yeah, that'll about wrap it up for week three. Um, you know, if you want to find our show, if you didn't catch it live on the Facebook Live, you can go to Cape Cut Time slash Cape Sports Now. We'll have uh, all the episodes. You can catch week one and week two there as well. You can also follow us both on Twitter for updates throughout the uh, spring, or excuse me, the fall sports season. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Steve Derdarian. Last name is D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And I'm at Matt Goisman CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. You can also download episodes of our show through the Apple Podcast app. Great. And All right. we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.